0: Looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear.
1: Complete control of my life. I am surrendering my mind, will, and emotions to you, Lord. I said, once you make that decision, the rest of them become a lot easier. So, we can play games with, you got to stop this, stop that, but if you haven't done this first, the rest of it, we're going to be facing this next week and the week after that the rest of our life we'll be struggling with these things. So we've got to come back to say, is he the Lord of my life as a Christian? And that's why last... Week we had that very unusual service in here when I changed all the chairs in here and we put the communion table in the center, we had a very unique communion on the intimacy with God. So now, let me go quickly. What do we say yes to here 's a couple of things, a few things you might want to jot down, very simple. you already know them you 're adults. but the first one is to say yes to sex in marriage and i 'd like to put that down because the Bible does talk about that in other places about the importance of sex. And I believe I could make a case for the frequency of sex in marriage. Now, we're not talking about those who are physically unable to do that because of injury or illness or something else. But we are talking about the frequency of it. Now, you can go to any book you want. They'll tell you what the frequency should be if you're this age and you're this age and this age. And I'm not going to get into all of that, folks. It's between you and your mate that decides on the frequency of it. But you both need to agree cheerfully on what that frequency is. And whatever it is, you need to have that... It will help your relationship out. Now, if you don't mind, I'm going to take my hat off as a pastor and I'm going to put my hat on as a biblical counselor. I often find that marriages that do not have a good sex life, it becomes a stress on their moral temptations. Now, let me go back to this. Sometimes people call it a barometer. The second is this. You want to say yes to healthy entertainment. Now, I left a very broad stroke with entertainment. It could be anything from having a lot of fellowship with Christians to doing things guys with guys and doing some stuff that's man stuff and ladies, you're doing your ladies stuff together. But it's stuff that's healthy and it's filling your soul and you're doing things to add value to other people and you're doing things that are godly. So it's not like you and your wife um, closing the door and turning on a porn movie at night. It's not you going out and doing some wild and crazy, whirly, fleshy things... And wanting to know why you're so easily tempted. So it's doing healthy entertainment. Number three would be simply waiting until you're married. Waiting until you're married. And then finally saying yes to God's perfect plan. Now a lot of you would like to write that down, but I'd like to take it to another level. Saying yes to God's perfect plan, especially in your sexual morality. Now watch this. When everybody around you isn't. It's easy to say yes to God when you're hanging with your brothers and sisters often in this church that are walking with God. But when you're hanging around others in a secular arena that they're telling the jokes and they're passing it around and they're giving numbers out, and you know the scene. It's easy for you not to, but it's that man or that woman who finally has come to, in my opinion, my humble opinion, a point of maturity that says, I'm not going to let all the world tell me or dictate to me what my value should be at that moment. I have set my, my course, my face like a flint, and I have said, this is my value system. So even when all the world is doing the wrong thing, all the Christian world that I might hang around with might be doing it. I'm not. Let's go a little bit further now. I want to talk more about this by, answer, by the second truth that we need to have, and that is the, the truth to trust the truth about your body. About your body. Let me read this part here. It says this Each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable. That's what one translation says. So here's the first one Your body is holy. You want to fill that in? You can write it down. And I know for some of you that's a shock because when you uh, stand naked before the mirror as you get out of the shower or the tub, you look at this thing. I mean, I shouldn't do that. Let me just stand behind here. I'm too embarrassed. And you say, Boy, is that flabby. Boy, is that wimpy. And maybe before you get in, you could say, boy, is that dirty. And then there could be a few of you that might say, oh, stud muffin, you know? And you're like that. And and that's okay, but, but I'd like you to do one more thing. I'd like you to add another dimension that really is the one that should cover all of that, which is this. When you stand before that mirror, you look at your body as a Christian, and you say, this body is holy. This body is holy. This body was bought, with the blood of Christ on the cross, according to 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Therefore, I need to glorify God with my body right here. My body is holy. It is an instrument, tool, not a toy, to be used to add value to others as I bring glory to the Lord. It's an instrument of righteousness. It's my body. And I need to then given unto the Lord. The second word in that passage says this, a way that is holy and honorable. Now that's an interesting word, honorable. It just simply means that my body is used in a way that will bring honor and glory to the Lord. With that, maybe this a visual might help you. I don't know a lot about military or the police or some of those that carry on a, a, a heritage or a legacy of what honor is all about. Each branch of the military does their own thing to display an honor for that branch of the military, for what it stands for. All military s- takes the United States flag, and that is, that is a precious, precious thing. We are to honor the flag. So here we are, we will honor our, 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 our military branch. We do it by honoring with our uniform. And we honor our flag. Now I think you catch that. This passage could be very similar. Except the object isn't going to be the flag. Our country or for what our country stands for. It's going to be everything that I have. Everything that I own. Including my body. Is to be used to bring honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we have to go back to the decision of. Have I fully surrendered to the Lord? If you haven't it doesn't matter. Why do you think um, officers have a struggle with the downline guys, the grunts we might call them, who are still not doing their uniforms right, they don't put it on right, their pins and badges and all that isn't right. They have to keep reminding them of that because a lot of these kids, either they don't know how, they don't really care because they live in an apathetic world anyway where the older military people, you get that right, you make that bed right, you hang that flag right. It goes in this position, not that position because they've learned to do that. So we want to do things that are honorable. So here's what's happening. Paul gave us two words. Holy and honorable. Now I can hear some of you, you'd like to say, Paul, I'd like to give you two words now. You gave me two? Holy, honorable, here's my two. Too late. Some of you are thinking, okay, I want to get there, but as I look back, I have nothing but broken relationships and for some, a diseased body. It's too late for me. And I want to come to you right now and I want to bring a, the only loving and gracious Father who says to you, it is never too late. I am a God of forgiveness. I am a God of do-overs. I am a God to set you up and give you the rest of your life. He says, I want to help you with that. So those of you that are maybe outside the faith for just a moment, you might be saying, you mean I've got to live this perfect life to get into heaven? God says, no, you never will. Every Christian is going to fail in one area or another. At one time or another, we're going to fail. And that's why Jesus Christ came. He says, I came to die for the sins of everyone because everybody's a sinner. They've done all the sin in some measure, Christ and Adam in this case. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to now pay for your sin on the cross. So he says, you've got to admit that you're a sinner. How hard is that? Really? I have to admit, though, that by being a sinner, I'm separated from Him, and when I die, I'll spend eternity separated from Him. That's a little harder. But how about realizing that I have to be perfect to go to heaven? <whistles> but I, I, I wasn't perfect then, and I don't think I could really be perfect. in the. How can I get into heaven if I've got to be perfect? Because Jesus says it's not by your works. Yeah, You still have to be perfect, but you can't be. All you have to do is believe that Jesus died and rose again because he did all the work for you on the cross. So for you, this message, I want you to know that you could take this day, this moment, and for the rest of your life, you can walk in a direction of moral purity from today. Now, I'm sorry we're going a little long. Can you give me a couple more extra minutes on this? Would you do that? Just a couple more. I want to share something for those of you that know someone that's having a very difficult time breaking off from someone with whom they're having an immoral relationship. I will not ask you to raise your hand if you know somebody like that, but in your heart, you probably are either suspecting or expecting that to happen. Let me show you this. In the Bible, it says that when one person joins himself to another person, emotionally, sexually, and whether you think well oral sex is okay different than physical sex is nothing more than a gateway to the other, it doesn't really matter, the sin wasn't the oral or the, or the act, the sin was already in your heart because you wanted to do that. Alright, getting back to this now. When you have that emotional bonding, what happens is, and I'm, 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 people on the radio can't see me do this, I'm taking my two hands and I'm putting them together. You're becoming, the Bible would call it, becoming one for that moment. Now let's go a little bit deeper. Since it's an emotional bonding, let's make it a practical illustration. You've all heard of the, the glue called super glue, haven't you? Have you ever used super glue before? Have you ever accidentally in use of it, you got it on your fingers and all of a sudden it dried and you couldn't get those fingers apart. You tried hot water, you tried soap, you tried everything and finally you said, anybody got a razor blade? It wasn't so much cutting your fingers off, it was trying to slice that apart because it stuck so much. Now, if that happened to you, say, uh-huh. All right, now, going back to this. When you have an emotional attachment to someone in a sexual matter and, or you've actually done the deed... All right, it's like super gluing your hand together. Now, I will tell you that uh, when I have my hands together, there's more power sometimes when I need to do something. So it seems to be really good. It's really working out fine. They're all together. But because it's not the right relationship, because it's sexual immorality, we've already spoken about all the different ways, you might come to a point in your life, hopefully, that you now say, I have got to separate for the reason of becoming righteous. Not because I don't like them, they don't like me, it's not good for our relationship, I'd like to go on with my life, I don't want them to be in my life any longer, it was good while it lasted. Whatever the reason, the bottom line is for those that says, this is wrong. Now watch what I'm going to do now. My hands are now glued together. Now try to separate them. It's almost impossible to do that. So now what we do is we say, okay, maybe the better way to do that is if I do it one finger at a time. So you rip one apart. Ooh, that's so painful. It's so painful that you don't know if you want to try to do the second finger, the third finger, the fourth finger, the fifth finger because you've already kind of got like this and the pain is too great. So now you're in the relationship but not really. You're out of the relationship but you're really not really because you still... And so what's the solution now? What I'm about to tell you is going to take those of you that have finally come to a point, I want the Lord, the Lord of my life. Biblically, I can give you examples of it. You're going to have to come to the point to say right is right, wrong is wrong and I'm going to do this. Will there be pain? Those of you that have gone through it, you'll never know how much the pain that there will be for those people. Will there be blood, so to speak? Will there be damage? Yes. And unfortunately, there will also be scars for the rest of their life. And so you say, is it worth it? I'm going to tell you the pain, the damage, and the scars are still far better when you are independent and now once again fully usable for God even with those scars. Could I hear an amen on that? So if you're in this breaking apart, your power is going to come from the Holy Spirit, not from you psyching yourself up to do it. It's for you saying, I got to do it, Lord. You help me. I'm going to do it. There will be tears. There could be repercussions. I will have scars in my relationship, my world, whatever it'll be. But Lord, it's still better to have that than for me to carry this along only to get involved in another situation again. So for you... It's not too late for you. Why don't you use these two words? No longer. Amen? All right, here's the third one. The third and final one is this, and that is to accept the fact that moral impurity hurts everyone. Now, I know that's a hurtful fact, but it's the truth. But it does hurt everyone. If you look back at the passage, it says this, not in the passion of lust like those who do not know God, That no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter. So what you're doing, you're defrauding them. So some people say, well, adultery, that's obvious. When I have adultery, my wife will find out about it. My husband will find out about it. My family will suffer. Maybe those that are in my friendship base, maybe my parents will know. Yeah, I realize there's going to be some problems in there. So that's that's a real issue and I know I'm going to hurt them. And some of you might say, you know, I really am only hurting myself, but hey, it's only my life, I can do what I want. If I want to hurt myself, it's okay, because the pleasure I get from it is greater than the hurt that I have right now, so I'm going to keep doing it. So we, we tolerate it. But now, if you don't mind, I want to speak to you single people for a second, just for a second, and maybe for those of you that are thinking to get out of a marriage and get into something else. Listen very carefully. When you enter into a morally impure relationship, When it talks about defrauding your brother, when it talks about hurting them in some measure, we're going to talk about premarital sex. What's happening now, and I'll use it from a masculine point of view, a guy point of view, you're single now, and you're messing around with another single woman, but you're not married. You know what you're really doing? You are messing around with another woman's husband to be. Did you catch that? And when you flip it around the other way, gals, you are messing around with a guy who someday will be another woman's husband husband. There was a great guy, a Christian leader who gave his life to helping us deal with problems in our life. He said a very profound statement. I don't want you to cast it away. I want you to think about it. Don't try to rationalize it away. You may not be ready yet to own it, but I'd like you to at least seriously consider it. Here's the phrase. The seeds of a poor marriage are often planted and the the soul of the immoral date life. Maybe some of you are struggling in your marriage because even with the one you're married to now, you had moral impurity. And maybe you're not there now, but you are, I'm going to tell you, that you are dealing with damaged goods. You're, you're, You're damaged the goods and you'll have damaged goods. Look back at the passage here because there are a couple words in here. Go back to your scripture it says take advantage, that's the word trespass, defraud, that's the word covet. Trespass means crossing a boundary, going someplace that you're not given permission. You might say, well that gal gave me permission to hanky panky, she might have given it to you but her future mate didn't give permission and they are now going to be one and you've messed around with her. And then the other word is the word covet and covet means simply this, wanting something for yourself that doesn't belong to you and that's coveting. There's a difference between lust and love, dishonor and honor. A difference between selfish and unselfish. Remember, love can wait, but lust can't. So how do you treat your body? If I could give you, Christians, something that you might want to uh, begin to change the attitude of the world because I'm so tired of the world thinking that Christians are either moral prudes... They don't like sex at all. They're a bunch of weirdos, what you call it, dysfunctional people that are so weird on sex that, man, don't, don't be a Christian because they just put down everything there is about sex. Or they have the view of Christians. Man, this is the most scallywag bunch of low-life people. They're Christians. They're sleeping with everybody. Look at all these televangelists and this, that, and the other. And so they have that view of it. If I could, in one sentence, paint the view of what I wish every Christian would do this. That they would absolutely watch the right words, absolutely love, enjoy and desire sex. And absolutely hate, despise, forsake sexual sin in their life. I think we'd have as close to the balance as we possibly could be. John eight twenty nine says this, Jesus speaking, I always do what pleases him, the Father. Now, folks, you've had a lot of information, a lot of emotion has been swirling around here. You've given me your undivided attention for a long period of time. I commend you on that. What I need to give you now is very short, but is the actual key to help you do this. Watch. Jesus says, like I just mentioned in Scripture, Jesus says, I do what pleases the Father. If you've trusted Christ as your Savior, then Christ is in you, the hope of glory, Colossians 1. Back into Peter, it says we're a partaker of His divine nature. So the nature of Christ is to please the Father. Christ who pleases the Father lives inside of me. So now inside of me is the power of the Godhead that wants to please the Father. So that means that I don't have to struggle with the defeated feeling of guilt and I can't make it. I'm I'm trapped. I'm in bondage to sexual sins. It's what I need to do is unleash the Jesus inside of me and say I want Him to take complete control. We call that the exchange life. We let Him do it now. Now, it doesn't mean we sit back and we continue in sin and I'm going to continue doing until He changes me. No, 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 no. That's why it says in Scripture we need to control our own bodies. But how we control it is by submitting to Him and then doing what we need to do. So, what do you want to do to be morally pure? Remember that moral excellence is built every day in every place you go. Remember that it's built on everyday decisions that you make in every place that you go. Remember that it's built on an everyday faith, and I'd like to say a moment-by-moment faith that what you heard today was right. And what you heard today is something that you want it to be real in your life, moral purity. And then finally, moral excellence is built on the exchange life, allowing the Lord to do it in you. I really love you. I really love you. And if you're still struggling with this, I'd be more than happy to sit down and talk with you. But now on the other side, God gave you the truth. What do you want to do with it? If you've trusted Christ as Savior, choose now to surrender to Him in these areas. Take these truths, make them real in your life by His power for His glory. If you haven't, you still need to do this. But not to get to heaven, but to have the power to do that, you need to come to Him as a broken sinner where you have now failed and go to Him now for the forgiveness of your sin and He will now give you all that you need that pertains to godliness. Would you trust Him as your personal Savior by faith alone? Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed. The next time we get together, I won't be speaking uh, like this on moral excellence. But I believe with all my heart that you have enough now to give you the warning as well as the wherewithal to once again live a moral life. Don't do it for your mate, although that would be nice to do that. It's a wonderful gift you can give to your mate that you'd be morally pure. But I want you to do it because Jesus died for that sin of moral impurity on the cross. And he was looking at you when he died there. You, 2,000 years in the future, in the midst of your moral impurity. He was looking at you right when you were in the act, in your heart or deed. And he said, I love you. And my hands are pierced. My feet are pierced. My blood is spilling all over the ground so I could pay for that sin. What are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with that? Maybe for you, you'll say, Lord, I am a sinner. I know I've done things wrong and I know that you're quick to forgive if I quickly come to you. And so, Lord, I am coming to you. I, I feel so dirty and trashy and... I mean, it felt good, and I, I don't want to diss the other person. I'm not making them the bad person for whatever part they played in this. I'm just taking responsibility for me. And, Lord, I know I need not only help to get out of this thing, to stop it, but I'm going to have some repercussions as I'm getting out of this stuff. And, Lord, I need you to help me. I, I, I know I can't put Humpty Dumpty back together again, but, but Lord, I need your help. I want to thank you that you'll give me eternal life. However you put that in your own words, would you trust Christ as your Savior? Is there anyone in here today that by a quiet, uplifted hand, while every head is bowed, and I promise you every eye is closed, and you'd like for me to pray for you, not because of a sexual issue, but any sin you have in your life, that you now know that Jesus died for that, for it, for you. And now He rose again, and you're placing your faith in Him to be forgiven of that sin, having a relationship forever with Him, and being in heaven. For eternity and you'd like for me to pray for you because today's the day that you're settling it not by your works not by trusting Christ and doing good works but just by trusting Christ is there anyone at all would you slip up your hand anyone at all it's never done it before all right Christians I am I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand in this time because I don't want you to think you've sent me a signal that I think you are doing something that would be dishonoring to God and your morality but I am going to let you have that alone time with the Lord. And, and I still am going to pray for you in general as we pray for one another. And, folks, Satan wants to bring me down. Because if he Dick, brings me down, this church will be paralyzed for, for perhaps years to come. And the testimony for Christ will be shattered for a while. And so, pray for me. Father, we come before you as your humble children and we are so sorry that we've allowed the world to touch us the way it has in so many ways and often Father we we believed a a value system that seemed to be okay and maybe work for others but we know that in our own hearts it's not right we've been brought up differently we've heard things differently we know what we should be doing but Lord it's so hard we we step so far out of bounds and so Lord we want to move right now but we need your help And so, Lord, thank you for forgiving us. So we look to the past, we grieve it, and we leave the past. We look to the future knowing that we're not going to be perfect tomorrow. We're still going to struggle with these things. But, Father, we accept that today that you're in our life and that you're going to help us now as we walk down this new road of spiritual and moral excellence. And so, Father, I thank you for that. I lift up my brothers, I lift up my sisters, and I lift up the next generation of emerging leaders